On this episode of the iFilmmaker podcast, I am sharing good practices when meeting a client for the first time, what you can do when you only have your phone available to shoot, the advantages, if any, of moving to LA as a filmmaker, and more of your questions. Welcome back to the iFilmmaker podcast. My name is Ariel Martinez. On this episode, I am answering your questions that you submitted via Instagram. If you're not already following the podcast on Instagram, I highly recommend you do so because that's where I am posting uh, for you guys to submit your questions via our stories. Many of you submitted questions and uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to get to all of them on this one, but we're going to get to some good ones here. We're answering everything from best practices uh, when meeting new clients, you know, moving to LA. I'm giving you some advice if all you have to shoot with is your phone, how I got into documentaries and the best ways to get new clients and things like that. So make sure that you guys are following over on Instagram, but not only on Instagram, make sure you're also following on, on our Facebook group where getting pretty live over there so check that out on our uh facebook group so with all that out of the way let's go ahead and get to your questions for this episode so question number one comes from ariel Baez, which is cool because he has the same name as me ariel's asking what are the best practices when meeting clients for the first time so i have a lot of notes on this one just because this is very very crucial some of it is obvious but other things i think are things that people overlook so just to start off be presentable i feel like that should be obvious but people show up to their first meetings with their potential clients and they're wearing ripped jeans or they're wearing some shorts it it just doesn't look presentable you want to be presentable now i'm not talking about wearing a shirt and tie but i am talking about maybe some slacks and a polo shirt, have that shirt tucked in. And I think that that's the minimum that you can do to look somewhat presentable for your client. So also something that you should be doing already when you're about to meet a client is do your research. That I cannot emphasize that enough. Do your research. What this is going to do is that when you walk into the meeting, you're going to be well prepared. You're going to already know what your client is going to do, what your client does. And therefore, you'll have already ideas of different options for them of how you can help service them. So that is something that is super important. Show them that you're already well versed in the industry and then they'll see you as somebody that they can relate to. Their perspective on you is already going to be a notch above anybody else that has no idea of what their industry does. So that is something that's going to give you brownie points with your potential clients. So because you've already done that research, I would assume go through their website and look at what they've already done if they've done anything. Sometimes I'll go to potential clients that I'm about to meet with and they have no videos on their website. That gives me an avenue to tell them video will ultimately relieve your potential customers from doing so much work to get to know your company better. And I'll tell them my job, and I kind of put that on me, I'll let them know that my job will be to make sure that your customers don't have to work too hard to know the product that you're going to give them. In that way, I'm adding value to my potential client because anytime they see that this can turn into more sales for them, 
that's always welcome. They're always going to love that kind of stuff. So make sure you're letting them know how that's going to be valuable for them. Now, on the other hand, if they already have videos, let's say you're on their website and they already have videos, sometimes it's old stuff or sometimes it's actually pretty good stuff already. So if it's old, the avenue that you would go is let's go ahead and update this. Let's make it look nicer. Let's make it look more modern. You know, it's a good time to refresh it. So that's a way to add value there. Another avenue is if it's already really good stuff, you tell them, well, let's build on this. If they have other kinds of products that they have, let's make a video for that other product. So you're, you're walking in there trying to add value to your client, right? But don't be so salesy. What you want to do is sort of show them that you're on their team. You want to be on their team. You want them to succeed. You're giving that impression to your clients that you're on their side and you're going to work together to bring them more sales. All this is going to ultimately put a great impression on your clients about you. This will definitely lead to a higher percentage that they're going to hire you. Another thing that you want to do when meeting a potential client is be prepared to show your work. How do you do that? Do not show up empty handed. You're well dressed, you're well researched on your company, but do not show up with nothing physically in your hands. That just doesn't look good. So what I always do is I always have a laptop bag with me. My laptop's always in there and most of the time my iPad is going to be in there as well. And I always go prepared with videos. Oftentimes I'm showing my videos from my Vimeo account or if I cannot have it there, I'll just have it in my Dropbox. But I'll make sure that those videos are downloaded already so I don't have to rely on internet. So that's something actually that you should re remember. You might not have internet there. So be ready to show videos without internet. So have them downloaded. So that's one thing. My iPad already has my internet anyways. So I have my iPad with internet and it could be a hotspot for my laptop if I need that too. So make sure to be prepared to present that. Do not show up empty handed. Be prepared to show something physically. It's just visually, it's a bad representation of you. Like show them that you're there and you're ready to work. You're just building brownie points this entire time. That perception of you that they're having is really building up of them seeing you as one of them and therefore they're going to want to hire you. So that that's really, really going to help. And then obviously this is like as obvious as it can possibly be have business cards ready. That is like, if you don't have business cards, you're just so unprepared, have business cards ready to show. Cause you might be going there meeting with, you had one point of contact that kind of, uh, made that meeting happen, but you're going to be there with maybe six other people that has happened to me many times. So I've passed out my business card to every single one of them, make sure that they can all have contact to me. So that's something that you want to have, have your business cards ready. One thing I'm going to recommend you guys to do is do not give a quote on your initial meeting. Do not give a quote on your initial meeting. Let me say that one more time. Do not give a quote on your initial meeting. The reason I say that is because oftentimes we are processing so much information because you're going to this initial meeting, you're going to find out about what this potential client is looking for. It's going to be so much information that you're going to have to process. It's not possible that you're going to think of every specific avenue that you can possibly take to make their project a reality. And what might happen is you might end up under quoting drastically. 
and you're going to see yourself in a really bad situation. You don't want to do that. And, you know, you might end up over quoting and not get the job. So it's very important that you fully understand what your client is going for. So make sure you go there prepared to take notes, write down everything that they want, but not only write it down, fully understand what they're going for, because they might tell you, hey, we want a talking head for five minutes talking about this. We want these graphics, etc." But then if you're understanding what they're going for, and I've done this before, you can tell them, you know what? It'd be better if you do that in two minutes. I think five minutes is way too long. Do you think you can squeeze that into two minutes, maybe two and a half minutes? What's going to happen is, have you ever done graphics on a five minute video? That is an insane amount of work. But if you're telling them two to two and a half minutes, that is a lot less post-production cost. So it's small things like that. And just all that stuff just continues to add on. If you have been able to fully process what they're requesting and fully understand what they're requesting. So make sure you have that in mind. And, you know, my last two advice for you is to smile and be friendly. So those are all of my tips for when you meet a brand new client. So let's go ahead. That one took a while, but the rest of them are not going to be as uh, in depth, but there's still, you know, I still have notes here for each question here. So question number two comes from 157 pictures is being in LA an advantage for a filmmaking career. So what I would say about that is that it really depends on what you're going for. There's something about LA, you know, LA Hollywood that, that people like, and, you know, and people go there to become stars and this and that. And I don't think it's absolutely necessary to be in LA to have a successful filmmaking career. It might help in the sense that there's more work in L.A., but at the same time, there's a lot more competition in L.A. So everyone trying to move to L.A. to find work, I'm not saying you won't find it. I'm just saying there's a lot of competition. Personally, I have no interest in making it in Hollywood. I want to make my documentary films and I can do that right where I'm at. I don't need to go to L.A. to do that. Uh, and I'm finding great work right here in Miami. I'm sure it's different everywhere. Like you probably won't find as much work in different places, but at the same time, you won't find as much competition. So I think it's going to have to be some sort of give and take. You're going to have to do your research. Is it an advantage? Maybe, maybe depends on what you want to do, but I wouldn't say a hundred percent. I can't say a hundred percent. So, um, I would definitely say do your research on the area that you're going to go and plan on moving to question number three is from person man 121 what is the best way to step into writing and directing by writing and directing that is my advice write and direct listen we're in the digital age where whatever you do anything you do is going to involve the internet and more than likely it's going to be putting your stuff out there any post that you make and you have the ability to put your work in front of millions and millions of people. Everybody is connected to this hub that's called the internet and you can do it through many different ways. You can have your own website, you can have your own YouTube channel, Instagram, Facebook. There's just so many platforms that you can put your work on right now at this time. Social media, YouTube, all these platforms, they're producing more stars than Hollywood is producing. Listen, you don't need Hollywood. You don't need any of that stuff. Do the work that you want to do. 
put it out there for the world to see. Another advice that I would give you is to join communities, join communities of people that are like minded, people that want to do the same thing you do, learn from each other, support each other. That goes a long way. Build a network that always helps when you're able to go to a source and have all these people where they've probably walked down a path that you've already walked down to and they can tell you that might not be a good route for you. Those are the steps that I would advise you to take. All right, question number four comes from Rhino24. Rhino24 is asking for advice for those who only have their phone. Use your phone, use it, take advantage of it. I mean, there's so many great videos I've seen out there that were, have been shot on phones only and they look great, albeit they use some accessories and I that's what I would recommend, use accessories, learn the basics of natural light, learn how to use what you have in front of you, be creative, that's one of the things that I like about not having so much gear right now. I have everything I could ask for and I'm pretty good. I think I have too many options. That's why I, lately I've been trying to sell off my stuff. But one of the things about not having so much gear is that it challenges you to be creative. So you have to use what you have in front of you. And that's what I did a lot of when I was younger in my career, when I was just getting started, I had to be very, very creative. I'm literally like getting lamp stands and tilting them over so that the light can splash onto my talent. And this is for like a church video. And I had to play with what I had in front of me. I didn't have lights and, you know, I had to just play with that stuff. So be creative. Also use apps like Filmic Pro that will give you the ability to have full control and much more options and features on your image when you're shooting on your phone. So Filmic Pro is one that I highly recommend. It's really good. You have control over ISO, shutter speed, I think, white balance. You could shoot flat, all that good stuff. So use that, learn that. So I think that that's a great option to, to take. Danny G92 is asking, how do you go about doing documentaries. I want to do some myself, but I am totally lost. So I started doing documentaries just by telling stories at my church. And one thing that I found very quickly was that I love this. It was a phenomenal experience. It was really unbelievable to hear all these stories. That's what really attracted me to it. Now that was early in my career. So I still went off and did a lot of different things. I've done weddings. I've done commercial. I've done just about everything. And I ultimately came back to doing documentaries because the stories are so organic. They're so real. They're so intimate. That's what I love about these stories. And so that's what attracted me. So I started to learn how to do documentaries properly. Just because you recorded somebody's story doesn't mean it's going to make a good documentary. The way you structure it needs polishing. I know that was true for me. So I started reading books. I started doing my research on other documentarians on how they do their films, how they structure their stories. A book that I highly recommend is called Documentary Storytelling by Sheila Bernard. Very, very good book. I've read it a couple times and I might just go over it again just to continue to polish up my skills. Also, I have several episodes on documentary filmmaking and I have guests on the show that have made documentaries. And these are people that have hired me to work on their documentaries and check out the one that I did with uh, Dave Lamatina. I think that's his last name. He has a weird last name, uh, but check that one out. I'll link it down below for faster reference, but check out that episode I did with him. I have an episode coming up with Mark Bone. 
He is a documentary filmmaker. Super excited for that episode because I really, truly want to pick his brain. I'll link his YouTube channel. He does a, he puts out a lot of content, documentary content that I love so much. So I'm going to link that down below. So check that stuff out. Next question is from John Luna. What are the best ways to get new clients? So let's go through the obvious ones. Make sure that you're in every single directory. Production Hub, Staff Me Up, LinkedIn, Facebook, anything that allows you to be in there, be in there. And anything that you can afford, really, because some of these things, they cost money. I, I definitely pay for some directories that work for me. Production Hub and Staff Me Up are my primary ones. There's also Industry Jump. That's another one that you can be on. And there's a couple more, but I'll, I'll link some of those in the show notes for this episode. The reality is in the beginning of your career, your initial clients are going to be word of mouth. A lot of my clients today are still word of mouth. Some of them are new. Some of them were word of mouth many years ago and I'm still working with them today. So you'll find that as your career increases, you're gonna have consistent clients and you're going to have new clients. Those consistent clients are the ones that you really wanna take care of. You never know which client's ever gonna be consistent. So make sure that you're treating every single client like they're going to be consistent. One thing that I did today, and I talked about this on my vlog over on Patreon, is that one of my biggest clients, they're having an issue with a talent and the talent's really hard to work with and it's troublesome just dealing with this person. So I go above and beyond on my own accord. I don't charge extra for this stuff. I try to be the middleman between my client and the talent. For some reason, I have a really good rapport with the talent. We get along very well together. So I try to make things much easier for my client so that that project can continue on. In addition to that, I fully understand what my client is going for. And I was there talking with my client today for like an hour on different avenues and different options that we can take for this story and they they valued that they enjoyed the conversation and basically sparked up their mind so i want to take care of my clients because one even in, during the pandemic they're the only ones that i've been working with a lot and i need to take care of that is my source of income just like you guys take care of the clients that take care of you and again you never know when that's going to happen and just understand that a lot of your work is going to come off of word of mouth when you don't have work to do when you have nothing to do make work to do. That is a practice that I have been doing since I started and I'm going to continue to do it because my biggest job, sometimes my biggest clients, they hired me because they saw my passion projects, not because they saw other paid work. They saw my passion projects that I did on my off time. And those passion projects, my film that I did on Poland, uh, Zion, those films are the ones that my clients are seeing and say, yeah, we want that. So consider that. Make work if you don't have work. Next question is from Adnan Horia 6. What challenges beginners face when learning filmmaking? What I would say is the biggest challenge that they would face is having stigmas, having the wrong state of mind when starting, especially when you're coming out of film school. In my opinion, a lot of people coming out of film school have the wrong state of mind where they have false expectations and it's not their fault. Unfortunately, they just spent the last two or four years being told that as soon as they graduate, they're going to get a job in Hollywood. And it's just not the case. Another wrong state of mind to have is thinking that gear alone is going to get you places. If you're starting off and somebody was to give you a red a red camera, whatever it is, or every Alexa mini, you, you name the camera, put it that way. 
you're not going to get hired just because you have that camera. You have to be able to be well-versed in your skills. I've done horrible work with red cameras. I've, <laughs> I've botched works because I wasn't fully skilled in first operating that camera. I did not have a full understanding on that. And I was still very, very young. One of the things that gets in the way of new filmmakers is putting emphasis in the wrong pieces of gear. So I just said, don't put, you know, gear alone is not going to get you there, but gear is important to do your work. So putting emphasis in the wrong gear is what you want to avoid. You don't want to have a $10,000 camera and maybe a $100 lavalier that just doesn't work that way. It's going to be horrible. You want to put emphasis where you need it. Invest, I would even say more in your audio, invest in your lighting, and you don't even need that much lighting. I have way too much lighting. I got to get rid of a bunch of my lights. Um, invest in your audio, invest in your lenses, um, and then I guess invest in your cameras, but according to the way that you shoot. So figure out your style. Another obstacle I think that filmmakers have is thinking that there's only one way to do things. So for a big example on this one is autofocus. People think that if you use autofocus, you're not pro enough. That's just not the case. Use whatever tool you have disposable to you. Your client's not going to be looking at their video at the end of the day and saying, why is this being used with autofocus? First of all, they're not going to know. Second of all, if it gets the shot that you need, yeah, it's a good tool. So don't think that there's only one way to do things. And last question here is, is from Krushank04. What qualifications are required to become a filmmaker? Just make a film. Literally, that's all you have to do. Obviously, don't just shoot something with your phone and just put it out there. Put some thought into it. Put some effort into it. People can tell when you were lazy on your project and just didn't really put too much forethought into it. Um, and people can tell more specifically other filmmakers can tell when a lot of time and work and effort went into a film so i would say just make a film be something that you're proud of and put it out for the world to see voila you're a filmmaker thanks so much for listening to this episode remember join our facebook group get active there putting a lot more content over on patreon so make sure that you're subscribed over there it also helps support and justify the amount of time that i spent on this so i appreciate your your support for those of you that are already patrons and for those of you that are going to be future patrons but if not it's totally fine i do appreciate you guys listening to the episode the biggest compliment that you guys can give me is sharing these episodes with other people thank you so much for listening and i will catch you on the next episode of the i filmmaker podcast mm -hmm.